stupid spoiler. Please be advised. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, Spoiler App 52. Haven't done a spoiler up in a little while. It's pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. I mean, this is the perfect movie for three pasty white guys to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an, This is the movie 13th, Ava yes. DuVernay's documentary about the uh, political system. And it's it's been nominated for Best Doc for the Oscars, so it's yes. very pertinent. And um, Boy, and Netflix wasted no time into uh, putting that immediately when you log in. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I watched it. I yeah. didn't see it in the theaters. Um, and uh, so here's how spoiler reps go. For those of you who just joined, I know we've picked up a lot of new fans from Burt Kreischer and elsewhere. We're going to talk about the entire movie, including the ending. It's a documentary, so it doesn't, it's not like a big <laughs> reveal. It's not like who did it. <laughs> but how, how did it end? How's the country now? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, country's doing great. Um, so we're going to uh, we're going to reveal key elements of the movie. So if you haven't seen it, I would suggest watching the movie first and then coming back to this to hearing your discussion. And our guest. Have we ever done a spoiler on a documentary before? No, oh. I don't think we have. First All ever. Right. Yeah. Exciting. It is and exciting. what? What better guest to have than our first-time guest? But we've worked with him for many years. We've worked with him for many years. I've known him since high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is the uh, president of Open Primaries, a political organization that mm-hmm. is trying to change the political system. And so I was like, he was Good in luck. town. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, <true>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, he is a glutton for punishment. <laughs> uh, he's my longtime friend. He's worked with us. He's worked with the podcast festival. He is even in earbuds, and uh, he can get blood from a stone. He can get blood from a stone. We've seen him do it. He's in the movie Earbuds, ladies and gentlemen. John Updike. Hello, glad to be here. All right, first time in the cave. Very exciting. Yeah. It's really exciting to have you here, JP. Really, I feel like every time we work with you, it's in a meeting, or you know, we're going on a, some kind of lunch meeting or something. Now you're in. The garage yes. as part of the podcast. Yes. It was fascinating. You were talking about the the gargoyles and you were like, Oh, I was just in Paris and you guys had a great gargoyle talk. We did. That's right. Gargoyles in Paris are yes. truly terrifying. And they're to ward off evil. I know. That's yeah. I, I learned that yeah. actually. <laughs> that they're to ward off evil. But mm-hmm. in Paris they're so worn down by rain. Mm-hmm. They're just these shapeless blobs sticking out from the buildings, and they look like they're they've been eaten by demons or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Which they probably have, in all seriousness. Right. Um, So uh, let's let's get into this movie. Yes, let's do it. Um, So basically, thirteen. The movie chose its title from the Thirteenth Amendment, um, which abolished slavery. Which abolished slavery, and then there's this kind of loophole that they found where they could use language from this amendment to jail as many black men as they possibly could right after the civil war. And the movie goes into how it's gone. Because forced labor, the the loophole is that you could still put someone into forced labor if they're committed of a crime, which is how, you know, chain gangs and everything were started. Right. And so right after the civil war, what, what was happening primarily in the South is they were just arresting black men for anything, standing on the street corner, congregating, um, and this documentary is all about how because that doesn't economy. happen anymore, and we fixed it, and the country's doing great. Oh, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> yes. All right, that's it? That's the episode. Yeah, that's it. We're Wrap done? it up. All right, <laughs> Openprimaries.org. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So no, the, the movie goes into how um, the problems we are having today. Uh, they stemmed from many, many years ago. Right. They stem from this specifically um, and how this has gotten into that. So I, 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 you know what? There was a large amount too spent on the film, Birth of a Nation. And right. the way it got into the country's consciousness and how it either reflected, but also not just reflected the consciousness at the time, but it also shaped it. It, shaped shaped it. it. Yeah. it absolutely shaped it. I, one We're of talking the, about the original Birth the of a Nation. The original, yeah, Birth of a Nation. What, yes. 2015? Yeah. And yeah. one of the most fascinating, like, just little pieces of trivia was that burning crosses wasn't originally something that the Ku Klux Klan did after they saw it in the movie they did because it. he picked it as a cinematic image. D.W. Griffith, they, they started doing it after the movie. Yeah. Well, that was fascinating when they're talking about, you know, they're interviewing all these, these various people and they're like, you know, in the movie, the, the, you know, the black man is, is, is attacking and raping the white women. And that right. has been the, 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 the theme of the last hundred years is be careful. The black man's going to come get your women. And they're like, man, are you kidding me? white slave owners all they did was rape <laughs> and i mean it was just it was just like um so that st- it starts with that m- movie and michael fassbender made it look very disturbing oh right. man <laughs> god um so 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 uh i know you go by john updike i've known you for jb for years so forget of any our listeners who's like who is this guy john and then who's jb it's the same dude <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so go in what was your First, your point of view, like, how, what did you think of this movie and the specific interviews of it? And then... Well, it's interesting, because I just finished reading a book about, about Grant, General Grant. Uh-huh. There's a new biography about him. And there's a, there's a, lot of, um, a lot of energy put in that book to talking about how unprepared, how lack of... There was a real lack of political will in the country after winning the Civil War to really deal with what was involved in Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Lincoln dying was a real blow for the country. But right. you, you're talking about a, a population that's been enslaved for 300 years. Right. So you abolish legal slavery, but the, the amount of work that would have had to have gone into actually remaking America and right. dealing with that legacy, the, the, the Republican Party, and they, they, they abandoned this in 1876, they just wanted to make money. They wanted to build a railroad and get the gold. And so, after abolishing slavery, there wasn't a lot of like um, work training and relocation no. support. <laughs> was, I mean, it was it was very it was it was a tragedy. Like you see, like wow, we fought this war. Uh, you know, half a million people died. So, going into this movie, I, I, I was kind of it was fresh on my mind the the betrayal of the black community so early after the civil war and how there was a moment though there was 10 years after the civil war when reconstruction was beginning to right. impact and then it was completely abandoned mm-hmm. um i must say i just think it's such important history it's not black history it's american history it's every every person in this country needs to know the ins and outs of the the original American sin. I mean, that's just, it, it's just right. such a... Because compar- we're, we're it's, it's still happening today. I mean, what you just said, the Republican Party could have rebuilt this country and instead they chose to do money. The two right. parties have, been, like, we could talk about this current, like what just happened this current election. Yeah. Like the Democratic Party 
you know, when Clinton got power in the 90s, could have actually rebuilt. But no, they just went for money. Well, like they, that, they go through that. Yes. Uh, a lot of it was just interesting in the documentary, like where the money was spent and then the privatization of the prisons. And right. When that became a, uh, you know, um, a money-making proposition, then all of a sudden things changed where they had to be filled all the time and, and there was a financial incentive to keep keep them filled. Well, they went after and, Clinton and his three strikes Thing. Yes. Although mm-hmm. I, I must say this is where this is where the movie, in my opinion, missed a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because they very thoughtfully they looked at this issue of the war on crime and how Richard Nixon used it as part of his Southern strategy. And and in some ways in the post civil rights era, you couldn't just actively do racial politics. You had to do coded racial politics, right? right? So Richard Nixon starts this this kind of war on crime, but who is the guy who ramps it up? Who's the guy who puts it on steroids? Who's the guy who really takes it all the way through? Bill Clinton. Right. So part of what you, you look at is, wow, from 68 to 92, you have a, a, a Republican strategy that's put on steroids by a Democrat. And I thought the opportunity they missed was, wow, what does that mean for those of us in the world trying to advance civil rights? What does that mean for the Black Lives Matter movement? What does that mean for the, the current struggle to deal with this historical legacy and the current abuses of power and so forth? When you have... Uh, the vast majority of black leaders in this country saying the Republicans are the bad guys, the Democrats are the good guys. Like they, 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 the, the black leadership by and large is very much tied into that whole Democrats good, Republicans bad paradigm. And they opened the door a little bit on that, just a little bit, and then they kind of closed it. Right. That's what I felt. And I, I, I thought, wow, if they had taken that and really opened that up, this documentary would have been incredibly, incredibly powerful and controversial. And I think they stayed safe. Ironically, my only disagreement with this video, with it, with the documentary, is it's, it's safe. It it's a, doesn't really get into the, uh, uh, the, the, the complicated bind that the country is in to be able to deal with this well, that, Legacy. That's an interesting takeaway from, like, say, um, an expert in political analysis, <laughs> like, like you're, sure, you, yeah, you live, sure. you live it every day. Like, I found the movie horrifying. <laughs> it's like sure. I didn't, I it, like when I watched, like, because there, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. Yeah, like that lobbying group that was had all the politicians and the corporations in it. What was Alec. the name? Alec. Alec. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't know that existed. Yeah. Like, and just see like the many years of influence that it had on everything. It was it was terrifying to me. In fact, I love that footage of when one of the um, congressmen got called out and like, well, is this your bill? Well, then why does it have Alex's letterhead on it? Right. You know, because they're literally just doing the bidding of the lobbyists. Right. So there was a lot of things to find horrifying in this movie. And I think, too, if you're not as versed on the history and the politics of everything behind it, I mean, as kids, we all learn about slavery and everything in, in school. But we never get that deep dive and that yeah. drilling into, like, the politics behind it from the beginning of incarceration to all the way up into present day. And I really think this movie did a great job of, you know, it may have not opened every door, but I think it opened enough 
to be a really powerful uh, movie to start a conversation. Yes. I, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. It is It is a great entry level. It is a great stepping stone. I, I agree with everything you said, JB. Like, And this is something that I think everyone is sort of post-presidential election on the left is maybe starting to go, wow, maybe we need to not just hope the Democrats are doing the right thing. Like, I just posted... Um, the 14 uh, Democrats that approved the CIA uh, uh, Pompeo, who is in favor of torture. And one of them is Diane Feinstein, who is a California blue Democrat. Her Twitter page is all Trump, torture doesn't work, you know, hashtag resist. She fucking voted for this guy. Right. And it's like, I retweeted that because I am been woken up a little bit by the, I don't want to make this all about the election, but it pertains to it to a certain degree. Yeah, I've been Trump's woke, in the movie. He Trump's in the movie. <laughs> um, is the, like, no, I'm not going to just give the Democrats, like, let's hope they do the right thing. Like, we know the Republicans are evil, but let's hope the Democrats do the right thing. We've gotten to the point now in our political system that you're not even voting for anyone anymore. You're voting against the other party. Well, the one party you're voting for is Goldman Sachs. They've won the election <laughs> since 19, what, 84? So that's who you're voting for. So I think the this movie, I'll give you a great example, Chris, to sort of uh, the the... It's a good entry level. I was posting some stuff on Facebook and a friend of mine, a guy I've known quite a long time, probably um, maybe 10 years or so, was in acting class with him. He was like one of my first martial arts instructors. Um, He was literally like, he wasn't, he was like, Graham, how is this? I was posting about some of the racism, you know, and the hate crimes that happened since the election. He goes, Graham, how is this so racist? He goes, seriously, I'm not... I'm not arguing. Like, I'm a white dude who's conservative leaning. I grew up, you know, in the west side of LA. I've, you know, went to nice schools and all that stuff. How is this racist? And I said, watch this movie. Because I think this movie is good. It's good for the left to see, kind of, but I think it's more for the right of center to see as well, because the right, the person on the right of center who sees the term Black Lives Matter, and they go, what, what, why? Their lives are more important than mine? It should be all lives matter. They don't understand the reason you have to say Black Lives Matter is because they haven't been given as much value. They've been gunned down more, and they, and, and you, I say, watch this movie, and you'll see the, the systematic way it's been happened since post-Civil War up till now, and, and you, like, Alec, I didn't know anything about that organization. No. And again, I think people who aren't working in politics, who aren't activists, aren't going to know anything about that. And I think it's good for them to go, holy shit. Now, JB, is Alec still very active? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're a resource for legislators. They write bills. I mean, they're kind of a, and they, they serve kind of, a, you know, a, a corporate chamber of commerce kind of constituency mm-hmm. um, and they're not the only one out there because the, the movie said like a lot of the corporations dropped out of it but it's still oh, a very yeah, powerful very, very, very powerful but still very active yeah interesting I mean I think I think one of the things about this movie that is very powerful and very important is that something that bugs me is that there's a way in which there's a way in which racism the way it gets talked about in our modern society today is that it's it's psychological and individual and attitudinal. Like you are 
being a racist or something like that. And I think part of what, for me, is very valuable about films like this is really we Americans have to grapple with the fact that the very structure of our society from day one was built as a racist society. Now, that doesn't mean we haven't progressed. That doesn't mean we haven't addressed things. That means we didn't fight a civil war. We dealt with, like, things have changed. I'm not, I'm not saying this in any way that's cynical or static or dogmatic. But that racism, it's like literally as American as apple pie. It's not something that I don't think. This is just, most people disagree with me. I'm not, uh, honestly, I'm saying something most people don't agree with. <laughs> that, uh, I don't think it's a mental thing in your head. And your job is to simply be more politically correct and say the right thing and make sure that you are conscious of what you can say and can't say for, for white people. I think it's recognizing we live in a country that was built on all men are created equal except for black people who are slaves. Like, that's just true. That's and the Native structure. Americans. <laughs> right. And that too. And it's not – I don't say this to be like I, – I don't think it's just – Adopting that posture is about being more politically correct. It's just the country really hasn't really honestly looked at that history and just embraced it and said that's who we are, that's where we come from. And I find a lot of the efforts to combat racism to be incredibly symbolic and actually more about white people than they are about black people, assuaging white guilt or whatever than they are actually about really looking at the, the impact of slavery, the impact of Jim Crow. I mean, these things have fundamentally transformed relationships. Well, they're also, they're long-term effects right. of these things. Right. It's not they're generational. like... They're, yeah, they're, yeah. You know, you can't just uh, say, all right, well, yeah, we stopped slaves. We stopped slavery. What's, no, what, now, what's, now what's the we're problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we end Jim Crow so, <laughs> laws. We're all good. Yeah. We fixed it. You know, like, well, first black president. There and, we go. We're all one, set. One of the right. uh, one of the things that the a lot of the speakers went into is, like, these these issues, every time, you know, it's, it looks like we get rid of one or whatever, it comes back in a different form, which I found, found really interesting. Yes. Because it was a different way of thinking about it. Um and one of the things, too, just to um, talk about a little bit how the movie was shot, you know, as documentaries, you know, there's going to be a lot of B-roll, talking heads. But I don't know if you noticed that a lot of times when there were talking heads, the um, framing of the subject was very deliberately uh, wide. Like you saw every subject was maybe in the corner or down low, and then the rest of the frame was just the background. Mm -hmm. So it was a very interesting uh, choice that... Um, the director, Avery. Avery DuVernay made it to, yeah. just to recap. She she directed uh, Selma. Yes. Um, and, and not to be pigeonholed into uh, race movies, she's doing Wrinkle in Time next. A right. giant budget, you know, fantasy movie. Well, she's a good director. I mean, the mm -hmm. thing that I saw, like, to do Selma, this very specific period piece about a, a, a very iconic person, a very a, um, specific time in that guy's life and our history, to then go to a documentary, a political documentary, documentary that um i agree it isn't it isn't and and this is a again hoping why i think this movie can be an entry point and and what you said it's a, it's this is about american history it shouldn't just be oh that's the black documentary about the black history we'll just learn about this in february yeah like exactly <laughs> right no it should be this is american history you know um 
the show, uh, whatever Atlanta, that, that, that isn't, that's a, that's an American story. Mm-hmm. You know, this is so uniquely American, how this country was formed, who formed it. The fact that these men were talking about these very radical ideas about representative democracy while they owned slaves, <laughs> you know, right. the men who founded this country owned slaves and we got to just say that and it's okay. You know, not that, that they did that, but like, we got to, like you said, JB, we got to just, a, a, own, it. own it it happened yeah, we this have to com- radically accept it yeah yes it's actually when you don't accept it you can't do anything about it mm-hmm. right when you hide it and bury it and say things like oh yeah you know i'm 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 you know we're now in a post-racial world you're just like what how did you get there how given you, this is our history you said it given this is right you just yes, you, uh, you, <laughs> you announce it and yeah. frankly <laughs> just to go back to the election a little bit i think one of the reasons why hillary clinton snatched Vic snatched defeat from the jaws of victory <laughs> in a spectacular way is that she exemplifies a certain type of entitlement well symbolism pronouncements you can just by saying i'm for teachers like that's all you need to do you just it's all symbolic it's all rhetoric it's all the politics of we're just going to say these things and we're not going to go through the mud and i honestly think why some people were attracted to donald trump is he basically said america's an ugly country we're an ugly ugly country we have we we have there's anger and division and all kinds of things, and I am not going to sugarcoat that at all. In fact, I'm going to... Now, I think he's an opportunist. I think he's a buffoon. I think he's a showman. I think he's that kind of thing. He's a snake oil salesman. He's yeah. a snake oil salesman, but... The, the, and it wasn't even his words. It was more his activity of kind of like, look, we're, we, we can't symbolism our way out of the pickle we're in as a country right we're divided john we're losing you know we can't do it we have to do something twitter's else. not going to solve the problems well you know. <laughs> actually he did think twitter would solve the problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know um so well first i would recommend go to alecexposed.org a-l-e-c exposed.org if you want to learn about what alec is um but definitely watch this um let's go around to and say the, the most surprising thing about the movie like what you learned. I mean, that was for me, it was Alec. I had no idea that existed. Like, is there something new that when you saw him, like, oh my God. Well, I for me, it, it was, it was the, the thing, the, the, the beginning of the movie, the title of the movie, I didn't realize that because I was the puzzle. I was like, the 13th Amendment is a, the title of the movie, is, and this is about the incarceration of black men. I was like, I didn't see the connection. That thing, I was like, oh, they found a fucking loophole. You know, like in this thing that that started this whole chain of events, and 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 um, that explained to me like how where we're at today. Well, far it, more like I, I've understood yeah. the racism of this country mm-hmm. from traveling around it. <laughs> you know, I've understood it wholesale. I was not shocked by the racism of the 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 Trump supporters, but the 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 understanding and the Alec thing too. I was like, Oh God, of course. Like, of course there's these, they're just corporations. This country is all about money. Like that's the thing. This documentary can help you understand. And that's what I've and been coming to. You don't really have the energy to take off a letterhead. when you Right. <laughs> yeah. <the> bill. <laughs> because I don't even think like racism 
the, the slavery, the foundation, and I'm not excusing the racism of this country or slavery, but even the racism was founded in money. Slave labor is cheap. They didn't resist King George because we were this like, it wasn't about political freedom. It was about these rich landowners didn't want to pay fucking taxes to England, so they had a revolution to right. not have to pay for it. The Civil War was about money. Well, let me challenge you on that because, see, I think part of what is hard about what you're saying, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think, though, what we part of this process of what I'm saying of radically accepting is that America is not just about money. It's, but it's also not just about political freedom. It's this ongoing tension, fight, paradox, mm. contradiction. The, as you said it perfectly, the guys who were writing, we, you know, inalienable rights, inalienable rights, you know, go fetch me some yeah. water on this lake. like that. But, but there, 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 I actually don't think it, it advances things to say, oh, the, the freedom is there's nothing real about that. It was really about the money. No, I really think it's about the money and the freedom. And yeah, the, that's a good point. The, the tension, American history is, and I think this movie really does very well at that, is just that ongoing tension between those two things. Well, it's the tension of, 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 of capitalism and... Um, Demo- like a lot of democracy is sort of rooted in socialism and in its beliefs and capitalism and socialism always kind of don't get along. Sure. And when you have rampant capitalism, like I think reasonable, responsible capitalism can work. I honestly firmly believe that. I believe capitalism and environmentalism can work. But when you have rampant capitalism, then you have, oh, we need Isn't to pr- that called greed? Yeah, it's called <laughs> greed. But yeah, when you have greedy capitalism, yeah. then you have basically, you have um, corporations going, well, you know, privatizing uh, prisons, corporate, so we need more prisoners. What, like, it's just like, let's just bottom line. And I know this this focused on, um, you know, the history and, you know, the incarceration mm-hmm. of, of blacks, but you, you saw this private prison um, thing go to extreme... Um, lengths in the film but it also bled over into like the suburbs too i don't know if you remember in pennsylvania i think it was a couple years ago there was a um a whole scandal where this judge was sending uh, girls to like a correctional facility and turns out he was getting paid the kickback so all these you know and these were suburban kids they were getting sent to these uh, correctional facilities for minor offenses. And um, it, it, Michael Moore covered it. It went all over the news, but it was really uh, uh, amazing. So it, it, it's interesting how, you know, the greed can literally trump everything. You don't, you don't seem like, oh, well, this, this can't happen in our neighborhood or whatever. And like, oh, yeah, it does. It happens all the time. And eventually they went to prison. But how many... How many lives and how many years were stolen from young people just because of greed? It's funny. I think what you're saying and like JB what you're saying this what is this radical acceptance and this movie is one of the puzzle pieces to like I think what Amer- this election and again Ava DuVernay released this movie this past summer and puts Trump in there saying these racially motivated things and there's footage. Before he was elected. Before he was elected. Yes. And there's footage, and I remember seeing this during the campaign of like black people going to Trump rallies and getting fucking harassed yes. and beaten up. And some of them were just sitting there quietly 
without, they didn't have an anti-Trump shirt. They were just quietly right. sitting there and they got turned on. And you saw the guy that uh, elbowed the one guy in oh, the face. Oh, God. Now there was, uh, they didn't show the second part of that story where they actually came face to face and reconciled. That actually was on the news. Oh, for wow. Those, for those two people. Um, they also, you know, the, 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 the part where they showed Trump was around the Central Park Five, which I was in New York. I lived through that mm-hmm. and saw the documentary last year about the release of them. They were all innocent. In fact, the guy- What is the Central Park Five? So tell us- the- Okay, so it was a very sensationalist rape trial where a woman, a jogger, Central Park jogger case, she was uh, beaten unconscious, put in a coma and raped in Central Park. This was what year? When was uh, I don't know, 90... In the 90s. One, 90, something like yeah. that. Okay. So they picked up these five young African-American kids who were walking through Central Park and they arrested them, interrogated them, and forced confessions out of all of them. Turns out the the woman had been raped by a guy who went on to rape like four other women, and they didn't find him until he was in prison on another charge. He'd been caught, and they had DNA. Right. And they, they released these five guys. But the media, they, they, they turned them into animals. They, said, they invented this term called wilding, and they basically painted this picture of this pack of young African-American males roaming through Central Park looking for prey. They literally used that whole language. Looking for white women. Right. <laughs> Just like birth so of a nation. Donald Trump was one of hundreds of people, the vast majority of whom were liberals. Liberals, progressives, who, by the way, they're the ones who elected Rudy Giuliani. They didn't want to go with David Dinkins anymore. And I think that I'm not, again, I'm not saying this to to kind of say, you know, conservatives are, I'm, I'm trying to get this out of the, 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 the whole framework when you look at these things is um, liberals good, conservatives bad. And I actually think when you look, when you actually, this is part of radical acceptance. You have to actually look at the people in power, the institutions that have governed our society politically since the Civil War have have been equally complicit in this in a in a in a, in a way in in so many different ways, mm-hmm. and that trial. I mean, you should have seen what the New York Times did to these young kids. Should have seen what Ruth Messenger, the liberal darling of the feminist movement, did to these kids. You should have seen the the vilification and that just they were they were tried, and they were you know the, these kids were kept in, um you know. Uh, detention rooms for 18 hours being interrogated and said, oh, your buddy confessed. And by at the end, they're all like, all right, I did it. Just let me get, give Th- me a this sandwich. This was in the movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mentioned mm-hmm. it in the movie. Yeah. There's the a movie. whole separate documentary about this. Oh, wow. Okay. That came out last year mm-hmm. that they were all just released after mm-hmm. spending 15 years in jail because they finally, they just tested the DNA kit on this woman. And it's like, oh, she wasn't raped by these kids. She was raped by this serial rapist who went on to rape other women because they grabbed these kids and threw them in jail and got a confession and locked them up. And so I, I, but I think that's a, that's a much harder thing to look at. It's very hard to look at the fact that, wow. So everybody's in on this game. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in on this, you know, the graft and the graft <laughs> and, the, and that, does, and, but I'm not saying that like, Oh, that means the, the people in are particularly evil. They're not, they're, they're people that, Work. This is just American. Yeah, some, some of them are evil. Some of them are evil. Some I, of them I are pure that, evil. But <laughs> it, it, it'd be easier if it was just evil people. 
I think most of them are just regular people that go home to their wives. And well, that's kids that's part of the thing is 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 is, and this is when you have, and this is what the, the documentary focuses on when you have this sort of institutional and you, you uh, racist commerce. There's people making money from it. You also of see. all of all races of oh, yeah. all uh, political backgrounds, yeah. and that's the tough thing. Like it's it's like the environmental issue. Like, um, yo, I, I work for a coal mine. So how do you, you're going to shut my coal mine down? I need the job. You know what I mean? And then you, it's not like you're, if you were coming in saying, we're shutting down the coal mine and we're putting in a factory that builds wind turbines and solar panels, but they're not doing that. So it's like, then the guy that works at the coal mine or the guy that works at the prison, I'm a prison guard, I'm a jailer, and maybe plenty of them are of all different ethnicities. And they're like, well- yeah, well, I need this job. I need this job. Yeah. And, you know, if you, like, I would say- a, You know, the old saying is people vote with their wallets. Right. Too. Well, that's what just happened in this past election. I mean, there were so many counties that voted for Obama twice that then voted for Trump because they were like, where's my job? And Obama didn't have some like sweeping jobs program. He just kind of got the economy a little better. He kind of, you know, he helped Detroit, but he didn't come in and say jobs, jobs, jobs. And, and he couldn't get any infrastructure passed. Could, yeah. I mean, it was like, so, so this, this movie goes into like, the the generational commerce and racism and yeah. what I, what I was going to say is what this what this election showed and, and America needs to it showed everything all of America's problems yeah our racism our inequity of the 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 one percent and the ninety nine percent the the problems on the left you know the 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 like the, the fact is. You know, if if because Obama didn't go to these factory towns and Clinton, Hillary didn't go to these factory towns where their factory, their coal mine was shut down or whatever, and say, "I'm going to come up with some new jobs plan for you." They didn't do that. They're not a populist party. You said this to me. The Democrats are not a liberal populist party. They should be. You know. And then you got say you say things like, you know, um, white privilege. Well. If I'm sixth generation poor white coal miner and I hear that term, I'm going to be fucking furious at yeah. that term. I get it. You, you, the three of us get it. We're college educated white guys. We have actually enjoyed white privilege. We know what that is. Not enough though. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a little more. I could, yeah, for sure. I could use a private jet. But like, we've never been pulled over by the cops for no reason and shit like that. But then you 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 say those charged things, and this country doesn't want to deal with any of it. It doesn't want to deal with the fact that the banks and the big oil are running everything. ExxonMobil is now in charge of the State Department. <laughs> I wouldn't agree that the country doesn't want to deal with it. I actually think the country does want to deal with it, and the country has no tools to deal with it. Oh, okay. I think the existing tools, um, and these are political tools. They're cultural tools. They're, they're like, how do people come together to deal with it? They don't exist. And that's so a hard thing. I think the, the existing tools, which are the parties, and I, when I mean the parties, it's, it's the parties and all their, all their tendrils. media and tendrils. <laughs> yeah. They're designed to pit people against each other precisely to prevent people from dealing it's with It's like a wrestling match. Yeah. You know, it's the- set up in a certain way where you have to have good guy and bad guy and this and that, and you keep the audience in their patches, cheering for their team, and disbelieving anything that comes from the other from side. From the other, the other side. side. Right. Categorically, mm-hmm. categorically, doesn't well, matter. That's why this whole thing with 
with, you know, fake news and the inauguration and this and that. It's kind of like, yeah, that's true. Liberals don't believe anything that comes out of Fox News. Conservatives don't believe anything that comes out of MSNBC. And those are placeholders. It's sure. Just, and that's getting more and more. That's fine. And frankly, that's how it was built and designed. So why are you so I, – I find the media getting so up in, in – you know, amazed that oh my god, I can't believe it. it's like well, you created the media with fake outrage you at their own it. creation. Yeah, you yeah. created this corporate. <laughs> yeah, you well, built it. it was it was funny. It was like corporate when team media when like about ten years ago there was a study that said most people under thirty are getting their news. This is when John Stewart was doing the Daily Show, and I remember seeing people on CNN just like, and there it was their whole tone was like, "Oh, these kids today they're not getting real news." And I was like, "No, motherfucker, you've you've been spewing twenty four seven bullshit." They know. A comedian is more honest right. than your crap, your ticker at the bottom of CNN or Fox. Everyone's just rejecting all of it. And it's like, it, it's- But it's not fast enough. Not <laughs> no, fast I think, I enough. Think, though, I think what's, what's dangerous, but also exciting about it, and this relates to podcasting, is that I think the media thought that they could polarize everybody, divide people up into camps, but there still would be some sacred cows, like facts- like, here's a photograph of an inauguration, and here's a photograph of another inauguration. This one was Obama's. This one was Trump's. Who, which one has more people in it? Just look at it. And they thought that people would be, no, nothing. There, is, there are no facts. There are no- There's alternative facts. I think, <laughs> I think they thought they could polarize people to make money off them, but still hold on to the center, and they can't. They can't make it work. Oh, really? So that's interesting. So the media thought they could polarize everybody to make a buck and then um, still c- maintain their integrity. Still insist that there are some, that there be truth and that they are in charge of it. Wow. And I think, here's what's exciting about podcasting. Podcasting, in my mind, and I don't want to put it on a pedestal, but to my mind, there's- You can put it in a garage. A, <laughs> let, me, let me put it in a garage oil pedestal. Right? But but this is why to me I've loved you know I, I've loved helping out with the festival and and being involved in ways that I can is that podcasting is throwing out that whole paradigm. It's not saying truth, this or that. It's saying relationship, trust. It basically mm-hmm. flips the whole thing because that's the that's the positive side of I don't believe these facts. It's all people are saying, um, I. There, there is no facts. It has to do with who I trust. And if you, if I trust you, then I will listen to what you're saying. And if I don't, I don't care if you hold up a piece of white paper and say, what color is this? I don't trust you. Right. And I don't care if you could say, oh, well, you have to say this paper is white. That's the truth. That's No, I don't. I don't trust you. Right. I don't trust you. I don't care what you do. But I think the, the positive side of that and the podcast community is embracing this is they're saying, yeah, it is all about trust. It's about relationship. And we have to go build those relationships and build them in some new ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, your audience is not a quote unquote liberal prepackaged audience no. or a conservative prepackaged audience. It's a international Oh, I know people from all kinds of background mm-hmm. in politics, and that is very powerful. Well, that's the thing, and it, and it, the, the thing, and it's it's said in earbuds. You know, it's like, and Will Will Anderson talks about this in earbuds, but even his lengthier interview, um, 
Will Anderson came from morning radio in Australia, right. they, which they call brekkie, breakfast radio. And he was so sick of it. And the thing he, why he so has gravitated, even though he has a fine traditional, he has a fine career that doesn't need podcasting in Australia doing this TV show. And he obviously sells out theaters. But the thing he didn't like about morning radio, and morning radio was in, in Australia is the same thing as the media here, is you had to have a, a subject and you had to be pro and you had to be con. Yeah. And the thing he said in his interview, he goes, I love the fact that someone can change my mind. You know, we can get on a podcast like today, several times, you know, you've said, well, I don't know. I necessarily agree with that. And I go, oh, okay. It doesn't be, oh, fight, you know, right. pro con. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, you brought up a good point and you literally just made me think about something I hadn't thought of. Yeah. Mm. You know, and that's like the, breakfast, like breakfast. <laughs> And that's the beauty of podcasting. And it's like specific to this show. This is a movie show, not a political show. But we've had fans change our view on a movie, you know, and, and guests and, too. and, and, guests and mm-hmm. vice versa. You know, we've, we've made a point of not making this a contentious, you know, you're for this movie, we're against it, fight, you know, like, and, and so I, I dig that. And, and, um, and it's different than what Bill Maher does, for example. Right. So Bill Maher brings out a liberal, a moderate, and a conservative, and then he jokes with them. And on the one hand, there's a little bit of like, oh, it's not so serious. But Bill doesn't in any way create a conversation that creates possibility, as you're describing. of like, oh, I learned something, and that kind of thing. It's, it's basically what he's done is let's make fun of how bad politics is, but not do anything new. And I mm-hmm. honestly, I think podcasting, without even in some ways being self-conscious of it, they're creating new forms of conversation. They're right. literally creating new ways of talking. I think that's true, yeah. That's very different than what people are doing on traditional media. So now getting back to the movie, too, one of the things I found surprising was that uh, Newt Gingrich making sense. So how weird was that to hear But that's a good talking. point because it's yeah. like Newt's right. He's a Republican. He's on right. the right. He's wrong. And Bill Clinton's right. I'm like, you know what? He's got some really good insights into this. And, um, you know, there's plenty of things that uh, he doesn't have good insights into. But this specifically, like, it was interesting. For this type of movie, you think, well, the director is setting him up to be like, you know, the crazy conservative on the other side. That, yeah, and, and he wasn't. Uh-uh. He was, it was and the, hats the off to the filmmaker yeah. for being a good documentarian of saying, I'm going to interview this guy. Ask him some questions I want answers to, but I'm not going to fry him. Right. If he says a bunch of stupid shit, well, guess what? I've got a great yeah. soundbite, yeah. but I'm going to, if he makes some sense, I'm going to put it in the movie and have him make sense. Right. And I get what you're saying, JB, of how you would have liked more, you know, calling out the left on it. Not even calling out. I, I, it's not even what, shaming, more just like opening the door, opening the door, exploring mm-hmm. that huge pickle we're in right i mean this civil rights party the democratic party the party of 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 you know jfk i mean every every black house in america has a has a picture of malcolm x martin luther king and john f kennedy Mm -hmm. you know um john f kennedy who did not want mlk to go do the march on washington in 1963 right he didn't he wasn't a fan of it when it saw the power of it then he was like oh sure right um, but but the, when I say the pickle, it's like this is the the identifiable party of civil rights is the Democratic Party, and they're the ones who took Richard Nixon's plan and they put it 
I mean, you should see. I mean, you saw it in the movie. The, the number, I mean, as soon as Bill Clinton does the crime bill, right. goes through the roof. He took what Richard Nixon had incubated and just put it on steroids. Now, so, And then admitted he was he made a mistake, too. There was footage of him. like, yeah, yeah this, this was a mistake. Right. He shouldn't have done it. Right. You know, but I, I, I just happen to think admitting things, I, I think Clinton admitting it, was as much a political calculation as doing it. So, I've bumped heads with the Clintons one too many times. <laughs> but again, it's not. It's not even from like, oh, it's not. I, I, I just think we need new ways to just simply look at these things, mm-hmm. not jumping to being like, oh my god, they're horrible. Oh my god, we just we. There's no space in politics in that media thing of just looking. Just being able to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and just allowing it to be. Because mm-hmm. I, I, if I hear what you're saying, then when looking at it is where, and not assigning a, um, a, a judgment or a win-loss to it or whatever, and looking at it, then we can kind of sit down and actually have a conversation, not a debate, not a di- argument, but a discussion on how do we fix this, right? Yeah, I mean, think about personal relationships. So someone you're in a relationship with says, you know, I'm just, I'm just uh, you know, sick and tired of, you know, coming home and, you know, you've left the dishes out and, the, and I want to come home to a clean home or something, something like that. Right. What happens if you immediately, immediately say, oh, okay, got it. I'll take care of that. I'm done. No, don't worry about it anymore. Bah, 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 bah. Or you do... What are you talking about? That's you're wrong. You're crazy. You're not. You're, yeah. Well, you leave out your clothes, or you know, they do right, that argument. Right. So it's kind of like I'm not I, sure where this is going. I'm just talking about <laughs> clothing and dishes. Go ahead. No, talking about a relationship yeah. where somebody brings up something you don't like. Right. The, I, I, I and I've done. Listen, this. Chris. No, Chris, no, listen. I was just okay. thinking of all the dishes in the sink right now that I have okay. to clean. Chris, you leave. <laughs> Go do that. We'll take care of this. Okay. No, but the the in my mind the instantly agreeing with. Or the instantly disagreeing with has the same effect, which is to say, shut the fuck up. I got this under control. Mm. No need to talk. I got it done. And you move on. And actually, it tends to sweep everything under the rug. Because so so in in keeping with the um, in keeping with this dishes in the sink uh, analogy, it's like so, you know, I have that conversation with my girlfriend. We need to have that conversation because there's a bigger conversation here of like, look, um, silverware, you know, (laughs) Chris is fighting with his wife right now. That's why he must be uncomfortable with this. No, but it must be, it's, it's like, maybe there's a bigger conversation to have. Like, look, it's not necessarily just about the thing. I want our life to be. I want to have the the way we manage our home. Right? Is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah. Because in the in the discussion about the ditch, dishes is the is the bigger discussion about where what. Because I've had that, you know, with with a with a girlfriend or something where we there's a little thing and you talk it out and it's a little uncomfortable going through it. Which is why Chris makes jokes and then and then <laughs> and then. But it, I don't like doing dishes. But at the but end of it, it's real. But it's real. And then at the end so, of it, you actually saying- come to a, conclu- a resolution that has a bigger, a bigger fix and a, and a better trajectory for the relationship versus just fine, I'll do the dishes. 
Yeah, or, right? or screw you, I'm not doing the right. dishes. Right, but, you know. So you're saying the polar um, opposites are equally as damaging. Yes. Okay, I got it now. And then it's... Right. <laughs> you should have just put in, a, put in the science yeah. terms, yeah, not yeah, housework. Yeah, and yes, Polar Express is yes. great movie. <laughs> well, I don't think it is. You're wrong. Uh, Awful podcast. Uh, Steven Tyler was great in it. <laughs> no, I, I get that. And I think it's it's the unwillingness to have a discussion that's that's part of the problem. Yeah. And I'm not talking I think that, you know, the the the, the something that gets short shrift is that Americans are fully interested in and capable of having national conversations. I think actually one of the brilliant things about about Barack Obama was how he ran for president. Right. I think the way he ran for president created opportunities for new kinds of conversations. It wasn't just that he ran to get elected and then he governed. I actually think he ran much better than he governed, um, though he governed pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. How he ran was brilliant. He created a conversation and people wanted to be a part of that conversation. Do you guys want to do some final thoughts on the movie? Yeah. It's good. People should see it. Yeah. It's yeah, it's one of those documentaries that um brings you into a world that you may not be completely aware of, which is what all great documentaries do, but also it has that frame of reference. Well, you might know part of the story, but you don't know the whole story. And I think the other thing to to, to tack onto that Chris is it bringing you into a world you might not know a, a lot of. It, for me, at least, then gave me a thirst for more knowledge about this subject. Yes. Like, I want to learn more about this, Alec. I want to learn more about legislation and these private prisons. And, right. And it also then made – and it makes my love of Orange is the New Black that much deeper. Orange <laughs> is the New Black is not a comedy. It's a social commentary about the prison system that has jokes in it. Like, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty scathing, yeah. and rightfully so, because the prison system is, is – insanely corrupt yeah um so yeah it was cool 13th check it out it's 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 it's, streaming and uh it's nominated for an academy award and it's 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 a really good documentary you really want to check it out um yeah the other feature the other documentary features that are nominated are fire at sea i am not your negro life animated and oj made in america so i've seen 13th and oj made in america those are pretty good i want to see the other ones but it's it's this is a it deserves the nomination, and it's um, it's a really well put together documentary yeah. for sure. Yeah, and w- uh, look, and it's eye opening when you watch Thirteenth and you watch OJ Made in America, they're relatable. Yeah, the, the, you can start to see. I'm I'm starting to see more connections to everything now more than ever because all of these problems have been like thrown up mm. big, mm. and everyone you might ha- be recruited by the Freemasons. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I already am. Yes. Chris. Oh, see, now it's all related. That's not good. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I have pyramid symbology yeah. why everywhere. The, yeah. Right on the on your car. That was a weird bumper sticker to put on. Well, no, I'm making my car into a pyramid. <laughs> I'm going to drive around in a mobile pyramid. Yeah, it's going to be a big eye on the side. Yeah, as long as Luxor <laughs> Casino gives me a taste. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, John Updike, tell us a little bit of where can open primary. So what can that do? Okay. And how can that help with regards to this sure, documentary? Sure. So this is a, a um, we're running a, a campaign right now at openprimaries.org. Both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are electing new chairmen for the DNC and the RNC. And we're running a petition campaign. 
We just passed 50,000 signatures today to encourage both parties to adopt a completely open primary for 2020. There were, there were over 30 million Americans who were disallowed from voting in the presidential primary this year. I read your guys' statistic that in not only 9% of Americans voted for Hillary and Trump in the primary. Yeah. That is staggering yeah. to me. Yeah. You explain this to me because I was like, why do we need to pri- change the primaries? You explained to me that it's the at the primary level is where it's really easy to manipulate the system. Oh, yeah. I mean, 85 to 90% of elections in November are non-competitive. Either there's one candidate on the ballot or there's a uh, an incumbent running against token opposition. Very few elections in this country are competitive. So the primary to determine those candidates is oftentimes the only election that matters at well, all. Well, the presidential primary didn't even used to have candidates. The party leaders would decide the That's nominees. true. And the primary, this is, this is part of what's the tension. It's going to our dialogue about America's not one thing. Primaries are a reform. There used to not be primaries. The parties did it behind closed doors. They just right. said, this is a yeah. person. Exactly. You know, the quote, smoke-filled room. Right. They would come out, and then they, that's the nominee. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, primaries were created to give the voters more choice and more opportunity to weigh in. But while they were being created, they were being manipulated and restructured in such a way as to make sure that they the, the voters don't have maximal voice. So that's the tension. In America, we have primaries now. It's not 1910 where, you're right, they were made in a smoke-filled room. But the way those primaries are conducted is so flawed, so controlled by the top. And our tax-paying money pays for the – Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And now we have two of them now. Remember when the vice president would always run for president? That's true. Yeah, Mm -hmm. now we get double primaries now. Yeah. Right. So people can sign that petition at openprimaries.org and circulate it. We're up on Twitter. And um, it's an important campaign because everybody should be able to vote in every election for whoever they want. Except unless you're a felon. Mm, I don't know. Aren't they still... still, uh... Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm saying this is the way it should be. Oh, It's not. (laughs) Right now, there's so many loopholes and designs to keep people locked out. Yep. And they're trying to design more, which is even more terrifying. Well, here, getting back to the movie, and this is a statistic, they just overturned this in California where actually felons can vote. So they've said felons cannot vote. Right. The state of Alabama, I learned this in the movie, 30% of black males cannot vote because they've been convicted yeah, of some crime. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I it's mean, so obvious. It's like, it's another way they're manipulating the system of right. like, we'll keep these guys- you Pay from, your debt to society. You're still a citizen. Yeah. You should be able to vote. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. yeah. So openprimaries.org. Right. And you know, look, we're not a silver bullet. It, it's not like if you enact open primaries, you kind of get la la land. You get the, you simply- You get Shakespeare in love. Talking about. You get Shakespeare in love. <laughs> You know, a reasonably good movie. <laughs> Some clever double entendres. <laughs> My favorite part of the movie is when someone goes, uh, the, one of the stage managers goes, goes, the show, the show, the show, the show. And, and Ray Fine's character goes, go on. The show must go on. No, I <laughs> no but we're d- going back to what I was saying earlier about the American people need more tools. We need lots of more tools. We need lots of ways to grab more political power. Open primaries is one way to reposition the voters modestly in a small way so they can do some new things. 
That, that's what I think. Is. Yeah, and letting it. I'm an independent, and letting independents vote in the primary is a is a key thing. Yeah, you know. And it was. Uh, it was. It's. It's open my eyes. Like working. Um, open primary is primaries are just a good idea. Yeah. I mean, it's you know let everyone vote in the primaries. What's you know? And it's also like you say, it's not a silver bullet, but it's a night. It's the beginning. It is. If we open the primaries, oh, then we can actually have some voting and some discussions and have right. people participate right. and get involved and right. Um, New things might happen. You might get Democrats and Republicans working together on a campaign. You might get someone running for office who's an independent, all kinds of things are possible. Not- well, I learned that when, you know, you you had me, you know, I shot some commercials for the Amendment V in South Dakota. Right. And I met, I interviewed some of these guys, like the Democrat, the Independent, and the Republican, those right. th- the three guys I, I, I heard. And like the Republican is just this very Midwestern, successful Republican businessman made the greatest point out of anybody. He goes, I'm from business. In business, we're always trying to uh, be more efficient and run your business more effectively and more profitable. Why Why are we still running these old archaic election systems? And I was like, wow, that's a great Right, he point. said you have to innovate. If you stop yes, innovating, innovating, your right. business dies. Yeah, that was his... Exactly. And he said American democracy has completely stopped innovating. It's it's running on fumes and you end up getting bad product. And any business person will tell you, if you mm-hmm. don't constantly reevaluate and reinvest in your process. And maybe do a little refurbishing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little refurbishing. Yes. You maybe know. move out of a garage. Yes. Take your gargoyles and close <laughs> <Yeah>. them down. <laughs> You know, it helps the ambiance. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. And then, Great what are discussion. what are your what are your social media at JB Opdyke at Twitter, which is at JB O P D Y C K E, and then openprimaries.org. And isn't don't you have an? Is there an open primaries Twitter as well at open primaries or at open primaries USA? Right. Okay. So go to openprimaries.org and follow uh, JB online. Um, guys, this was so great. This was this was awesome. And check out Thirteenth. Uh, it's yes. an excellent film. It's, it's a it's a solid category for documentaries this year in the Oscars. Yeah, so definitely, definitely see that movie. Um, all right, earbuds. It's for sale, guys. Yes. Buy it. Um, we're trying to move out of the garage and get yes, off so office space please, and if, hire some employees. If, if you haven't bought the uh, download or the DVD, please do so. Remember, we sign the DVD. If you want it shipped out to you, we ship out to anywhere in the world. It is a region zero, which means it'll play in any territory. And therefore, if you buy the DVD, there's a whole section to get autographs. It'll come with Chris and I's autograph on there. And then if you follow uh, J.B. Updike and go to one of his political things, you could get him to sign the DVD because yes. he's in the movie. <laughs> Boom. He's going to be a tough signature to track down, folks, yeah. because he's not a comedian. It's on, ro- on the road. <laughs> I'm on the road a lot, but I'm not a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, uh, JB. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han shot first. <laughs> I got to do the dishes. <laughs> that was fantastic.